Hello and welcome to the Hunter's Hub. This is your host Fortwan, uh, the uh, and joined by Sasha. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hi. How are you? Hi. <laughs> uh, Tongue tied today, yeah. as in the third time I have done that since we've been talking. Um, what I was trying to do, I was like, don't forget to talk about the point of the podcast, which is we are a video game podcast born of the Monster Hunter community, but I introduced yourself first and, and then my brain got twisted. So here we are. Um, just you today. Uh, we had just Ace last week. Uh, you had family come out of from, from out of town? Not really from out of town. Uh, my husband's cousin came over and her husband was there and we, my husband grilled because you know he loves to put on a show. And then we played mm-hmm. a bunch of Munchkin and actually, shockingly. Oh, I love Munchkin. My my child, my four-year-old, played very well. She did an awesome job. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you guys have any expansions, or is it just the base game? Um, We were playing the Adventure Time version. Oh, okay. So it's one of the standalone versions. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. Which, Which was fun. And I won. Adventure Time is is sort of like a kid's parody of Dungeons and Dragons already. A hundred percent. Like it that game had no problem being adapted for adventure time. I imagine. Um so I uh, I got uh I got random inspiration to contact a lot of people uh that I have not had a lot of contact with since I moved away from Dayton. And one of those people is my good friend Kyle uh who we played munchkin uh back when i was very first married with him and his girlfriend at the time he's now married to someone else um it was literally uh first time meeting this this girl we we'd known kai for a little bit and my ex-wife so the four of us playing munchkin um this girl i actually do not remember her name was about to win and then my ex-wife circumvented the win and stole it from her. He's like, you can steal the monster or whatever. You know, you've played Munchkin. Yeah. Um, that girl decided to stand up, th- literally flip the table, throw the cards at my ex-wife and call her a uh, cheating bitch, I think was the words. Uh, so that was a very interesting night. Look, <laughs> I mean, I respect her reaction because I would have felt the same way. That is almost how our last game of Munchkin almost ended that way. Um, it was like a free for all of everybody trying to sabotage me, but I oh, still boy. won. <laughs> I was like, I hope you didn't say that to your daughter. <laughs> no, I was telling them all. I was like, I don't care if she's about to win this game. I will take her out of the game. I don't care if she's four. Wow. I will win this game. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's how how my parents played games with us growing up. So, oh no, my dad did. My mom and dad never held back. Like we played. One of the things that we did when the power was out a lot of time, it was like a tradition for us to play Trivial Pursuit. Mm. But it was like the Trivial Pursuit that came out like when they were teenagers, like eighty six or eighty seven. I I feel like we got our asses beat by the same one. Uh, Like this, it was at a blue box, and it was like. (laughs) 
classic edition. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. My dad would beat our ass at that one. And then when the 2000s edition came out, oh, game on. Game on, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I have a Star Wars. I have an original trilogy Star Wars one now. And that was like, oh, we're going to be so good at this. And they're like, who is the actor that played this random extra? And I'm like, oh, come on. Fuck. No. What the? No, this is not what I wanted. You know what else my dad did to me one time? My mom got us. I got a Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Trivial Pursuit for Christmas. And I was a huge uh-huh. Harry Potter. Like, I, I probably had read that book four or five times. And yes. that one had multiple choice. Like, my dad wouldn't even listen to the question. He'd just roll his die, move his piece, and he'd go, B. I picked the second one. C, yeah, the third one. And he won, and I was so mad. I never played the fucking game again. I'm like, I will never. I will never. Oh, that's so cruel. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is just so bad. I know. That, that is... That has got to be the most infuriating thing. We like, I know this information. I am so ready, and he wins from just sheer. Luck. I and oh, like wow. I almost won the game. Yeah, yeah. So you can understand why during like my formative years, when something like that happened, why as an adult I would take my four year old out of the Munchkin game for the win. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. I I am not like that at all. I will totally let the girls win, and Absolutely I have no not. two thoughts about it. <laughs> Absolutely not. But my parents didn't let me win. They they did just you know play, um, but we didn't play stuff like we didn't play Trooper Pursuit unless the power is out. That was like a thing. Um, we played a lot of Yahtzee, and Mom usually won won that. Scrabble was just murder, like. Mom and her mom, uh, who passed away last year, uh, they were like Scrabble champions. Like you would come out like the two of them both having like 200 point plus games and Chauncey and I sitting here with like 50 points. Like, yep. I don't even know what happened. Like, I, uh, that's how I, play that's a Scrabble. word. Nobody plays Scrabble with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, to, Tonight, uh, uh, I did put this on uh, X. I did put it out there that we're going to be doing this, but we're not recording on Twitch anymore. So you're just going to have to listen to it when it comes out, which, I mean, if you are listening, then you're listening. Um, But we are going to be talking about a theoretical position where you are the head of a game studio and you are creatively designing three games, your first three games uh, from the studio. I kind of left it open to you and your own interpretation, whether the budget was a concern or anything like that. Um, me, not so much, but from, from my direction, uh, you'll see that I am trying to build a universe based on the three different games from three different genres. And I actually took inspiration uh, uh, of this from a documentary I recently watched from The Escapist on... Um. Oh goodness! What is the name of that game? Uh, their first game was called The Messenger, and I already own this game. The Messenger. But The Messenger was like literally their like test game, like they remade a 
Ninja Gaiden 2D like platforming action game where you're a ninja uh, in their own style with their own story and stuff. And um, gosh, it's going to bug me. I am going to Google that while I'm talking about this because there's it's star something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Anyways, the they uh, so they made this game and they made it a Metroidvania. So you kind of get to the end and then poof, it's a Metroidvania. Um, yeah, this, they have the Sea of Stars game coming out. Soon. Sea of Stars. Thank you. That was the game that I watched a documentary on because uh, it's coming out soon. Um, and I'm interested in playing that. Uh, I have become a little bit more of an RPG fan uh, these past couple of years, uh, as in traditional turn-taking RPG stuff. And so, like, I would like to see this game. It looks really cool. And I thought that when I talked about The Messenger, I was like, I own that game. I picked it up for five bucks on GOG. Like, I'm just going to play it. So I've actually been playing The Messenger. And I will say, Sasha, I know you're not a platforming fan at all <laughs> so you're not going to play this game and My that's okay might, though this looks like something your husband might the dialogue in this game is absolutely fucking hilarious okay i did not expect to have this amazing so let me just quick rundown of what this ninja is his personality that you play uh, you were in a clan of humans that are all ninjas. They have been training all their life to survive the demon war. In fact, they've been at such peace on this island that a lot of them don't even believe the demon war is real. Uh, and that it didn't, you know, actually extinguish most of humanity on not on the island. Um, but it in fact truly did. Um, and there's a prophecy that a warrior from the West will fly in with a message and the messenger will take that message to someone else and they will get help and then they will defeat the demon army. Right. So demon Paul Revere. Yeah. Okay. Um, the messenger is your character. Um, you don't know that you are, uh, he is very bad and, uh, showing up to training on time. He is like the most Generation Z character I have ever seen on a video game. So he sounds like Kung um, Fu Panda. Kinda, except if Kung Fu Panda didn't care and was super mouthy. Like he's Kung Fu Panda is mouthy. Don't get me wrong. He he can say some quips, but he's like, I'm in it. Yeah, this guy is totally like, this is just not a thing. You are crazy. I don't. Why? He literally tells his trainer why. Like, like all the time. Like, not all the time. You don't get to say it very long before the game starts. But his, I don't know. The the personality is very like a modern young person personality clashed with this ancient ninja order that is like, we must carry on or else we will not survive. And, and then um, literally the demon army comes exactly as was prophesized and then during the demon attack the warrior of the north has the message hands it to your character and your character's like no no not no i'm not he's like you're literally the only one here like i don't see anyone else you take it you go and he's like okay but um 
the shopkeeper has to be my favorite character. You you run into the shopkeeper. It's like this little teleporter. Like save points, a lot of time have this teleporter to the shopkeep, and he'll and in like in normal Metroidvania style, you get upgrades to your abilities, and you can purchase them with the collectibles you find as you're playing. And one of the chat options immediately was tell me a story, and I was like, cool. So the shopkeeper tells your character a story and it gets to the end of the story. And then your character was like, what did that have to do with anything that I'm doing or what's happening right now? Like, I don't see the relevance. What's the moral? And the shopkeeper was like, it didn't have to do with any of that. You asked me to tell you a story and I told you a story. And he's like, okay. And then the shopkeeper says, okay. And then <laughs> there's like a dot, dot, dot. And then the dialogue, dialogue ends. And then like, I don't think it ends. He's like, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? <laughs> so like, it's got a really good sense of humor. There's this thing, like I found this secret coin and it like whirled around my character and he put his fist up. He's like, yeah. And it like shattered because like he collected it or whatever. And the shopkeeper immediately teleports in front of you. Right. And then he's like, yeah, so... That'd be that would have been a really cool thing that you found. However, you destroyed it. He's like, "What? I just." He's like, "I don't know why you destroyed it, but you did. Uh, I don't suggest doing that in the future." <laughs> oh boy, it's just uh, the dialogue in is great. Uh, the gameplay for me is really great. It's a platformer. I, I tend to like those. Um, so I was really enjoying that. Um, and yeah, and I, I don't remember the developer for them. Uh, actually, I could just look it up. It's not that hard to get to it. Um, so yeah, I I just really added like I've had this game for a long time, and I just didn't didn't do it. Sabotage uh, Studio. It, yes, sabotage says right there. Dev, developer sabotage. Um, yeah, if, if your if your husband enjoys this type of game, I think he will get a blast out of it and i'm sure he will try to tell you some lines of dialogue because oh boy it is some good stuff um and it has the aesthetic is very much like the old teenage mutant ninja turtles like on the nes or the snes and stuff so it's it's fun um part of this like new trend of me wanting to check out a developer's work because i'm excited about their next thing is um you weren't here last week, but I was mega hyped for uh, Titan Quest 2 being announced uh, by uh, by THQ Nordic. I saw that and I thought of you. Like, yes. Oh. And I was like, so I was I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but I was here at the computer. I think I was probably playing Diablo with Chance and I got a message from Jared. Um, it was just a YouTube link. And I was like what is this? Like I'm in a nightmare dungeon. It's kind of hard. Like I don't. So I just like really quick typed like, what is this? He's like, Oh shit, wrong video. And then he sent me and it said right there, Titan quest Two announcement. And I was like, fucking what? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I need this now. What is going on? Cause like, I mean, you know, you know, I like Titan quest. I've talked about it several times, Yeah. but what makes me more excited is the fact it was a dead, 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 dead series, like super dead. And then (laughs) they made expansions and now they're making a sequel. 
Uh, the f- crazy thing is, though, it's not the same developer. They hired a different developer. Interesting. So that so that's what made me curious. Is like, what did they do before? So I looked it up, and they're called Grimlore Games. And the only thing that they've done before is this game called Spell Force Three. Um, so they made the third entry in a two-part series at the time from different developers. So, like, okay, this is definitely a pattern picking up after another developer's work in a sequel, so seems like I should be playing this game to see if I like what they do. Um, and Spellforce is a, RT, a mix between a strategy and an RTS, I guess it said. So... Which RTS is real time strategy, and then strategy RPG. So I don't know. It's either real time or it's not. I don't know how you become part of both, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> They're like, it's. I think the description literally is like a mix between these two genres, and I'm like, they're pretty re- closely related to begin with. I feel so like I'm it's, not really. Yeah, it's just like a Venn diagram. That's a circle. Right. Um, I'm trying to read the description. It just says uh, strategy RPG, so it just they just may try to make it look more action oriented. Oh, there's DLC for it. It's on sale too. Well, I don't know until I play the game. I don't want to delve too much, but yeah. So. I'm going to be checking that out as well. I finally started Final Fantasy 16. Um, that's been pretty good so far. Um, I'm not like super hooked, but the combat is at least good. Uh, very action oriented. So I'm not like. I like the turn taking stuff occasionally, but it's got to be more than like the vanilla, just like attack, 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 attack. Um, so this one's cool. Uh, I will say I, my biggest complaint of this game is the cutscene to playing ratio is way off. Like, way, way, way off. Um, in what way? I in, in the way that I am playing 25% of the time and watching and listening 75% of the time. Um, I kind of felt that way at parts in Mass Effect. And I like the game and I was invested in the story for Mass Effect. And I am invested in this story for Final Fantasy 16. I think they do a good job of hooking you towards the beginning. Um, But so I don't I do want to see the story. I do care. However, I also do want to play and I don't really like. Mass Effect doesn't do this at all Um, where it's like, hey, cutscene, Cool. I can play now run 40 feet cutscene watch more cutscene okay loading screen okay cool we're probably getting to some sort of interactable or something more cutscene after loading screen okay uh drops you into action sequence oh i can fight cool fight cutscene <laughs> that sounds like uh metal gear Yes, it does. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of cutscenes. And uh, also, I am not happy that I've had to kill many chocobos, uh, which is not fun. That does not sound okay. 
Well, they did attack me first, and they are experienced, so it's their fault, but I didn't feel good about it. I guess. Um, but still. So also I felt, I, I, I've, I've, I got some mouse traps, and I've been catching mice at the house, and I didn't feel good about that either, because I was like, sorry, buddy, but I gotta kill you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's just glue traps, and I don't want them starving to death, so... I uh, I finished the deed. So that's kind of what I've been playing lately and doing a lot of playing. I started uh, the Pokemon off game that my friend Trevor uh, referred to me as well. Cassette Beasts. Yeah, um, I saw that on Game Pass. It's okay so far. It's getting a little more interesting, I will say. Um, there's not like... Though it's the the way that you evolve uh, isn't um, by level, it's by how much you use the monster, per se. So like if you use it a bunch, uh, it becomes like a five star monster, and you're like, oh cool, and they get more stats, the more stars they have. Just shows that you used them more. And then when they're five star, you can just evolve them at your leisure, like a Digimon, just like boop, and then it stays on like a Digimon, but. Yeah, you just like, hey, I want to see what the next form is. And it's called remixing the tape because um, they're on cassette tapes. So you you remix the monster and they become a stronger monster uh, with new moves and stuff. It's it's very interesting. Um, it's kind of weird to have a game in 2023 be based off cassette tapes, which were pretty much phased out by the time I started driving. So, <laughs> yeah, I think retro is hitting the 90s right now for uh what all how the kids yeah. are all dressing from the 90s oh i uh my 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 uh style in that game is a little interesting i have a traffic cone for a helmet um i had uh i white pajamas on white pajama shirt and shorts and then uh just red shoes with a orange traffic cone on my head for a while. And then I, I changed it up. So I actually looked a little different. So it's like a green jacket with purple pants and green shoes or something like that with a purple traffic cone. Cause I wanted to keep traffic cone. So <laughs> I get it. I get it. I play all of dead rising with, the with the, the Capcom helmet on my head. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, shall we uh, get to the, um, I know you said you hadn't played a lot, so we'll uh, get to the topic at hand and I will pull up my notes. So, um, the we, we did already described a little bit what we're doing. Did you name your company or no? I did. I did. So. I did. Okay, I did too. I'm, I'm excited. My company's name is Manic Pixel Dream Girls. And oh no, okay, <laughs> okay, all of my games will be like pixelated kind of graphics, like uh, Stardew Valley, sure. Harvest Moon, that kind of so re- quality, re- retro style. Okay, okay, yeah. I got it, yeah, okay. So, uh, do you want to talk about your first game or sure? Um, so my games are. 
tied together thematically in graphics, but not really um, once you get into in the story. themes. Yeah. Sure. So the first game I have is called The Accused. And before I get into it, I'm going to tell you that it's very heavily influenced by the last book that I read. So the last book I read is okay. called Slewfoot, and it's by Braun. And it is basically if what if the crucible happened, except she was consorting with the devil and it has a good for her ending. So, okay. Um, it, it's a. It's really, really good. Anyway, so The Accused mm -hmm. is kind of a crossover between, like, Among Us, Town of Salem, and The Crucible. Okay. So there will be single-player campaign or a multiplayer kind of quick round version of it. So the single-player version of this would be you are going to choose a character that's in the village. So it's a small number of roles, but, like, literally anybody. You could be, like, the town... Um, the sheriff, you could be like one of the farmers, you could be one of sure. the um, one of the priests, like anybody in the town. So okay. your role is to try to survive the next like, I'm thinking like a couple of weeks, but there will be somebody who is accused of witchcraft. And mm. you are either going to be accused, accuse somebody, defend people um but kind of how you play over the course of the weeks leading up to the accusation is going to have an impact like think very like telltale wise so things sure. like if you keep a pet like you might be accused of that being your familiar later on if you end up being one of the accused or oh. like if you're going to church on sunday or not or if you chose to work on your farm that day or mm -hmm. um, how you treat the town outcasts if you are kind to them or if you are um, judging them and treating them in the way that all the rest of the townspeople are. So Okay, so this is like a, a, a more serious Stardew Valley vibe. Yes, yes. So okay. you can do also other things like sabotage your neighbors. Like if you intend to make an accusation rather than, you know, be accused, you might plant evidence in somebody's house okay um so anyway that's kind of what i was thinking for the single player round and you would play it all the way through to the witch uh the witch's trial and whether or not they actually like are hung for it or they survive and then uh, okay. the multiplayer would just be like quick rounds where it would be like make quick choices you're doing this or not doing this um and it would move you through faster no like chatting with the npcs so i think the the single player would be a lot more fun to play so i'm thinking that the reason it's called the accused is there will be an accused and it could be you or you could just okay. play like a savage mm -hmm. yeah okay that's interesting i like that um any um uh okay I, I was trying to think is like is there do you have any like see it's pixelated so you you're not going to have to worry about like as a studio developer as much for graphics budget and that kind of stuff but like 
is there anything around that as like a studio person? Like, is, is, is there a reason why that's your first? Um, I feel like some of the more interesting games that I have played on, I know you don't love steam, but on steam have been like little mm-hmm. cheap 50 cent $1 games. There's not any voice actors. It's pixelated. And there's like really dark stuff happening in the dialogue and in ex- exploring and selecting and reading things. And so the pixelated thing, the reason that I picked it is that I think it would allow for there to be more layers, more choice in the way that you play the game, more individual outcomes without it breaking the budget. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I do the same thing what you're talking about with Steam with GOG, where I'll just browse through the game sometimes and it's like, oh, this is cheap little game that seems like a interesting premise, so I'll, I'll pick it up and, and play it. And that's how I got to play the visual novel Leap of Faith that we talked about earlier this year. There is one, uh, gosh, I can't remember what it's called, but basically you are, I think it's called the deed i think it's called the deed but you are Mm -hmm. it's like victorian mansion and you want to kill your dad or somebody because you want this inheritance Mm. but like you have so many it's it's very much like live action clue but it's pixelated and if you don't do if you don't like if you do a sloppy job like if you pick the gun you're gonna get caught uh because there's people nearby Or if you pick poison, like you need to not have been caught in the kitchen when you went to go get the thing. When you like, there's like all these little layers to it, and the whole game takes maybe 15 minutes, and there's a Mm -hmm. ton of different endings. And I paid, I I probably paid 50 cents for it, but it's really fun. Hmm. But that also, I'll say, kind of inspired this and thinking, like, how could you? How could you have, you know, 15 different endings and it not break your game? Because I think Bethesda tries to do this and it breaks their game. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it reminds me of the the Austin Powers clip I I sent you. Did you you see at the end where uh, he kicks the mini-me, which is the uh, little child thing from Mass Effect? Like... (laughs) That was so good. <laughs> oh boy, I like that. Um, to 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 explain to the audience, I found uh, I was just on Facebook Reels, which are I, I understand most of the time they're just ripped off from TikTok. Um, but there was one where Austin Powers was supplanted into Mass Effect and into the various uh, like cutscenes or whatnot, and between like serious ones, you know, fighting ones, and of course you know, sexy time ones where he's like, do I make you Randy, baby? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was so good. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the Mass Effect 3 infamous child of whatever spirit ending. And then he uh, they treat it like it's Mini-Me. And when he like punts Mini-Me away and Austin Powers, oh, just so good. Uh, <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, so, so my, my game is a total different direction, but, um, from, from what you're going, I, so this is 
different for me because I personally, I don't care about graphics that much, right? There are only a few times where I will say that graphics and or aesthetics has really turned me away from a game. Um, and I will say that uh, one of those times I think was Dragon Age. Uh, uh, what was what was the one? It wasn't Origins. It was the third one. Inquisition. Inquisition, Inquisition has great yeah. graphics. What are you talking about? I It was on the PS4 and it looked really bad for some reason. It was being choppy and... But I blame PlayStation. I don't blame. I don't blame. uh, You don't blame Bioware on that one. I don't. I I can't. Like they're like games that were older than that look really great. Like and so I don't think it was Bioware's fault. (laughs) Um, you know the own Bioware games like Origins looked looked better than whatever my PlayStation was doing to that game. So, and that was in the same series but anyways so this is um so so my studio is uh called limora game studios and the reason why i call it limora is i've been on this uh thing with dnd where i have i created a world back in high school drew up a map put up a couple a couple things in it and i called that world limora so i named it app i like the idea so odd world game studios their world is called odd world so i like sort of like naming the studio after your uh, although your name is great i love that name (laughs) uh but but for me personally for my personal taste going forward i like to name my studio after the world and i kind of uh you know i talked about the inspiration of looking at different developers watching that documentary another one of the things that that got me to this topic was stuff like Oddworld, where they they named the studio after that, and then also um, how developers and and people brought people together uh, to try to create a game that they had a larger vision for, and they started with something, and then they wanted to go further, and unfortunately, it didn't happen in one of these cases, which was Kingdoms of Amalur, because if you remember, that was supposed to be an MMO, and the first action adventure whatever you want to call it uh reckoning was supposed to just be the sort of preamble to the giant mmo later um so like stuff like that is kind of what inspired me here so my games are all quite entangled and the first two games are leading up to the third game in many ways okay so the first two games are standalone games between each other um but they are uh they they they're related to each other but they're not as directly connected whereas the third game references the two greatly um the first two greatly so starting with game number 1 uh have you ever heard of uh, it's, I don't know if you played it I've never played it but I heard of Ashura's Wrath yes sort of like a story fighting game with a bunch of QTs so my first game is mostly a fighting game uh, following a protagonist like Ashura's Wrath, but it is going to be more like, a, to me, a traditional fighting game like Mortal Kombat or something with characters and whatnot. Um, but 
this fighting game is going to be establishing the what I'll call the ancient lore of the world, where it is literally the deities fighting each other. So like something, one of my favorite fighting games, Primal Rage, is literally ancient deities fighting each other, ancient natural deities of like, you know, like Sauron, the god of hunger, is a giant T-Rex, and Diablo, the god of like fires, another T-Rex. And so like, this is like, uh, literally just like a straight up fighting game in, in, in multiplayer format, uh, where you pick the various gods as characters, but you follow a particular one for a particular storyline, uh, as far as the canon going through the story. Um, I've started to do a lot of world building in this world, uh, which was led me on a weird life adventure. I talked about with Ace last time where I'm actually reconnecting with my own tribe. Uh, because I was trying to find the words uh, in Shawnee to say certain things because I thought it, because like I was trying to come up with a name for a storm god, right? Just like, I'm just, I have this idea. We're going to do like, just pick a thing, make a storm, like a storm god. What would the storm god's name be? So I looked it up in Latin and of course it says Tempest. And I'm like, that is the most rote and done name for a storm god it's in so many things that makes so much sense. Like I, I don't, I don't want to do that. So I found this proto Algonquin dictionary, which is the, uh, before the root of Shawnee language, Shawnee language comes off of Algonquin. So proto Algonquin is whatever led into Algonquin, um, and found some cool names that I thought would work out well. So like I've started to sort of flesh out that, that uh pantheon and i think it would be really cool to have just a fighting game where you're just playing as gods who are just creating and destroying the world uh in this clash for power uh like this this sort of like feels conflict like that, that creates the world sounds yes. like soul caliber a little bit um right as i haven't played a ton of those games but what i do remember from them is that you get a lot of lore playing the individual mm-hmm. characters like campaign. Yes. Yeah, and and this one I at the campaign I would say would be the focus of the game. Yeah. The multiplayer fighting each other, sure, that's that's great. There's whole series built around that, aka like Mortal Kombat. Um but like for me, I would more more so want to put a focus on a very long and in-depth story on following the the quote-unquote main character. And I, I don't know what that character would be, even though I do have an idea of what these characters are because of my D&D work for this world or whatever. Um, but I do have some ideas fleshed out as to how some things were formed. So I'm thinking probably uh, there's a goddess of life, and that would probably be the one. That you would be with. I'm thinking. That would kind of make sense because I'm like you lose a battle and you die and then she brings you back. Yeah. Refreshed. Yeah. Ready for the next round. Yes. Um, but yeah, so like that's my first game is something but I, I don't want to do what Ashura's Wrath does, which is a bunch of like cutscenes where you have to do a bunch of quick time events. It's literally just you know, like you do actual fighting for the 
you know, mechanics of the fighting game when you're doing the fights, but a lot of story and stuff lead up right. to those fights. Um, and I would say I probably just have a lot of fights and a lot of rematches and a lot of matches with things that wouldn't be normal fighting characters. Like you got to battle this, you know, whatever crazy being that one of the other gods came up with or something like, you know, stuff like that, um, which would make to me, I always like having everything you fight in the game be a character selectable. Maybe make those secret characters. I don't know, but you get a pretty. What I'm thinking of would be a pretty freaking large roster if you did that. So I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Because uh, that that might be a little too ambitious for a first project if you did something like that. So maybe that could be like a DLC. Like, hey, we added this from the story as a as a fighter. We added this from the story as a fighter as an ongoing project kind of deal. Um, I wouldn't want to focus too much on graphics. Uh, we're not trying to make uh, something like, you know, Killer Instinct or Mortal Kombat here where you're trying to make as flashy and as awesome as a game as possible. I could see it being a just a, you know, sprite work 2D uh, at this point. Um, what about Which is scenes? fine. And cutscenes? Um Cutscenes would have to be animated. Uh, I would not like to. Um, you could probably do some of the like the storybook things, and for certain ones, but like I would want to see certain things, especially leading up to a fight, to be animated. Um, like someone, you know, like oh, uh, yeah, like oh, we're gonna summon this thing. We're not just gonna talk about like here's a still frame in black and white of this thing talking about something. A thing. I want to you you to see that. Uh, but I would. Put like, I don't know, when you have to have exposition in the story or that kind of stuff, maybe make it a little more still or even just panning across landscapes, like have a lot of landscape stuff since you are and it's in essence forming the world at that point. Um, so, yeah, I do want to have a lot of it animated, but there is I think there are will be points where it's sort of just panning across a large picture <laughs> for not just for budgetary reasons, but also just like production reasons of like, yeah, let's establish some of the, cause I really want to establish the world as much as the characters in, in this particular game, like really establish why the world is the way it is uh, at this point. So yeah, so that's game number one. Okay. Sounds pretty cool. I'm envisioning like, Honestly, like the earlier Final Fantasy bits where like you've got your sprites, but then you go into the cutscene yeah. and it's so much more detailed and you get your mind gets to fill in those blanks that you're missing with the sprites. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, actually have never played a Final Fantasy before seven, so I know what it, I know what they're like. But yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, definitely pulling on that aesthetic for sure. Okay. All right, well, my second game is called Alchemy Dynasty. And this okay. one is kind of like an alchemy simulator versus, and like a Harvest Moon and Medieval Dynasty. So okay. this one, you are going to start off with, you've got like a small little chunk of money that your um, parents set you up with when they died. And you set up shop in a medieval village, um, your little alchemy shop. 
and you have a small garden you can maintain to start to maintain your own inventory you can trade to get rare ingredients make new recipes um and you start to develop like a reputation the more effective you are at solving your villagers problems or you could be like okay. completely inept and not really make a lot of money not build up your reputation maybe even possibly develop a bad reputation um sure so the better that your reputation actually is, though, people start coming from further away. They start coming to you with bigger problems. You might start getting things from maybe, like requests for support from maybe some bigger people. Um, so the villagers um, also are options for you to find a spouse because the goal here, in addition to building up your shop, is you need to find a spouse, you need to get married, and you need to have children because you need to have an heir. Because if you die, something happens to you, uh, the game is over. But if you have an heir who has been trained properly to pick up where you left off, when you die, they get to just continue. They take over your shop. They continue this. This comes the dynasty part of the alchemy dynasty title. So the actual alchemy part is sort of, is that hand waved? Or are you doing that as gameplay? Gameplay. Um, okay. So I'm envisioning that the harvest moon aspect is going to come from you have your garden it is small you start off with like very basic like seeds that you got um but as you trade you can get new seeds cultivate so you have skills that are going to build up so the skills that i kind of had listed here uh would be increasing would actually be your gardening and your farming skills alchemy first aid uh animal husbandry and then your bargaining merchant merchantry so okay this also comes into play with your children because you're going to train them. So when you die, mm -hmm. their skills aren't going to be as good as yours unless if you didn't train them properly. So they might be right. harder for them and they'll have to train back up. But anyway, so um, you might also end up wasting your seeds if you're not a very good farmer. Um, maybe you've got something rare and then you mess it up. Um, or that that'd be me. <laughs> And then this also yeah. gives you the option of actually choosing, do you even want to do alchemy with your stuff? Or maybe you actually want to build up your farm and just like make a ton of money selling it off that way. But the alchemy part's what's building up your reputation because people are coming to you to solve their problems, their illnesses. Um, maybe they want a love yeah. potion. Maybe they are trying to sabotage their neighbors in some way, you know, whatever. So yeah. Love, love potion is dangerous, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's Alchemy Dynasty. Okay. All right. I, I can dig it. Um, so Chance has been playing a whole series about alchemists. Um, like Atelier, I think is the name. It's anime stuff. Okay. But he is he has been talking my ear off about these games. Um, and they're all from different, like, there's like 20 different games in this series. And they're like, most of them are on Switch, and he's just like blasting through them um, as much as he can. So, like, some of them are more like, hey, traditional RPG, but I'm also an alchemist, so I throw alchemy things in battle, that kind of thing. But then there's one that was like, he, the one that he's been playing recently is like a city management game, but you're an alchemist, so you got to have alchemists that that do make certain recipes and stuff, but you're more of, you're a failed alchemist. So you're more of a facilitator for all the alchemists 
and that kind of thing. Okay. That was, uh, yeah, that was, I think that's the one he's playing now. No, he started another one. He just, he might have finished that one. I don't know. It's There's a lot of them. He played three of them. He played the city management one. And I think he's now on a fourth one, a fifth one. So, and yeah, that's that's what he plays between our Diablo time and or when he's bored. Like uh, he got stuck at the house. Uh, what was it? Wednesday, Thursday, when we went to go talk to the lawyer because he wanted to go out to lunch with us. So he played uh, switching. I know uh, he wasn't at the house. He was in the car. He planned on staying here at the house, but we all just went to the car or he just sat in the car, I guess I should say. Um, OK, alchemy. OK, so my uh, my second one, um, like I said, I, this one is set in the same world. Um, but it's not necessarily directly to do. The world is formed. The game one happened. The canon thing happened. There is a world. There are certain things that happened in the story. But, but mostly I would say the game one is entirely linear in its progression as far as the canon story goes. This one, I don't want this one to be linear at all in, in any way. Um, because I want the third one to sort of be dealing with all of the possibilities, hopefully, that this one does. Uh, which would make it difficult, but here we are. <laughs> you know, hey, if Bioware can pull it off, we can pull it off and mess it up more. So, <laughs> this one is going to be a tactical RPG instead of um, instead of like a more action-oriented game. So you're actually going to be Commanding units, uh, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, XCOM, you know, that kind of play. I'm not going to have like the roguelike elements of XCOM. It's just, it's more going to be a story driven, uh, tactical RPG, you know, like Fire Emblem, of course, Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Triangle Strategy that I talked about last year, all, all sort of fit this genre. And this is actually more, more so based on Triangle Strategy because it's going to be like you have to make decisions. And those decisions are going to impact your playthrough. I will say, while Triangle Strategy had like a canon, like golden ending, uh, this one isn't going to have a canon ending per se. What it's going to be is it's going to affect the political landscape of the world. So okay. rush to a more modern day um, and the the only thing that you're going to be really in charge of when you pick something uh, is this th for the tactical RPG. Uh, I'm pulling a lot of elements from Triangle Strategy. Um, I do want to have uh, I'm going to have named characters, but they're going to be randomly generated names, right? They're not going to be um, like, hey, you got this person but you're going to have like a sort of random assortment of within reason right i don't want to have a far deviation um but you're going to be choosing um let's say you know dnd calls it a race for so long but we'll say a species to be more politically correct so yeah to me this is a fantasy dnd like world so you're going to be human you're going to be an elf you're going to be a halfling you're going to be dwarf you're going to and I want the options to be 
wide. So we're, you know, we have our standard fantasy races like that. I'm going to have lizard folk. I'm going to have snake folk. I'm going to have rat folk, like all sort of the sort of like other monstrous, you know, races, minotaurs, that kind of thing. Um, are you going to be a, a, a race of frogs? Are you going to be mm-hmm. so like I, I want to have like um, a wide array and what you're going to end up doing over the course of this game is really it's just a political landscape of are you what uh, what allegiances are you going to form and what enemies are you going to make and how are you going to dominate said world uh there will be uh i would probably say there are going to be set events that happen at certain timelines and i will say in certain areas so like if you pick an army not an army but yeah if you pick a, a faction or whatever we'll call them factions um like you're the elves, right? And the elves started in this area. And then if you're only in this continent at this time, you're not going to be affected by whatever, you know, set action. Cause you're going to be progressing through, uh, years at this point, like you're establishing the beginnings of civilizations and sort of their establishment into the third game. So <clears throat> what you're going to, uh, so, like, if it, if you're just not in the area, like, you're probably not going to encounter that event or or, or challenge or something. Like, so this would sustain your replayability aspect that to get the whole right. story, you're going to have to play every multiple races anyway. Yes. Um, but basically, um, this is going to be a lot of this is going to you can have multiple playthroughs of this. Because there isn't a canon ending. It's whatever you choose to to play forward. But what it's going to do, and I think I will probably try to inform the player of this or whatever. Coming in the third game, which is going to take, uh, I will say, a much longer developer si- development cycle than all of the other two, both of the two combined. Uh, I think, I think from the get go, everything was sort of like being worked on at the studio if they can, assuming the budget. Uh, this also lends itself very well to this sort of sprite work because uh, you can do that 2.5D sprite work just like tactics, just like uh, triangle strategy. I think triangle strategy did it very well. Um, probably not to that level of of artistry, but, you know, we can try. Um, and when you, quote unquote, finish a campaign, because it's going to be a time limit. It's not going to be like, oh, you know, you're doing a run, essentially, right? And so what did you accomplish at this time, right? And I will probably give it a score or some sort of, like, system or a ranking, maybe, uh, to sort of incentivize you to do certain things and get better. And maybe different factions have different goals, right? Maybe, uh, you know, we have, like, elves who like we want to control and lose less forest right we do not want encroaching on our forest from humans and orcs who are going to be chopping down trees to make their establishments how much forest did we lose like like that kind of deal um or you know you're playing the halflings and how many farms did we create or something like that i will say i do have ideas on how i want 
certain uh certain species to not be quote unquote stereotypical all the time. I do want I do want elves definitely to be very nature and forest forest oriented. Of course, that's just my head canon, but something like halflings, which the, which are most people know them hobbits from Lord of the Rings. Um quiet, peaceful farm folk that don't like to fight. Um I am turning that on the head. They're the most warmongering assholes that you will ever meet and they have small dog syndrome. And I I just it is in my heart what I want to do for a halfling. Just like they just get a natural bonus to intimidation because everyone knows they're just little assholes that just want to fight. Um, stuff like that. Just sort of turn certain things on their head. Gotta be careful in tall grass. Gotta watch out for those halflings. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, like I mean, I'm probably still gonna have the dwarves be like mountain folk who want to mine, but you know, I probably maybe they're just all prohibitionists and they hate drinking or something. Like I don't know, like because you know, dwarves are always associated with mead and drinking, and I, you know, this, I'm just spitballing here. Like this is this is all theoretical, anyways. Not like we're building these games. However, I am building this world. I am trying to. So like just sort of basing it off of some ideas that have been floating around in my head anyways. So I would really like, and and what I would probably try to aim for is at least 20 different playable factions. And then you could do this thing just like with the fighting one, you could probably add more, which unfortunately would add to the scope of the third game if possible, Um, which is unfortunate um, because that is a, new kind of scope creep that I don't want to try to figure out how to deal with. But yeah, we'll get to that later. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so what is your third game, Sasha? All right. So my third game, um, I'm going to describe it first and then I'm going to tell you the name. Cause I, I don't know. I'm a nerd and I thought that the name was really sure. clever and funny. So the game is a town or like a city simulator, city management game. And Mm -hmm. the setting is like way post-apocalyptic. Like the bombs have dropped. Most of humanity has been wiped out. We're like long past, a couple hundred years after. So you are, for your city management, um, the way that there's some variation is you can pick your starting environment. Um, I'm envisioning kind of map difficulties based on how toxic the levels are, Um, whether there's like access to water, is the soil usable, like everything there, Mm. Um, as well as is it actually like, is it, are there mountains? Like, can you defend yourself? Um, Like, how reasonable is it going to be to like use that landscape? You also get to pick your leadership style. So if you've ever played like a Tropico game. um, Sure. Kind of like that. So, like, how are you going to be keeping order in your town? Um, and Totalitarianism. Then, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and then eventually you'll get to pick a couple starting citizens. Um, but one of the events, uh, event things, that random things that will pop up will be people coming into the city and you kind of making a choice. And if you're going to invite them in to stay or if you're, like, closing it up and, no, you cannot come in. So, right. Um, 
the decisions about the citizens, though, is really important because this is going to make an impact based on, like, what you're actually able to do in your town. So those citizens are all going to have, like, little um, attributes sets, like their gunfighting skill, their ability to take care um, of animals, their ability to uh, farm or first aid or whatever. So um, they'll also have personality quirks so like certain people might not vibe together um you mm-hmm. might not want all of the big strong bros coming in because you think it's going to keep your town safe um because that might not go well with maybe some of the other personalities that are feeding your town or are um healing your town so right within your city management stuff obviously you need to make sure that your people have a food water um that you're building shelter you have access to the materials to build the shelter um how are you addressing the medicinal needs of your people uh building up for security and defense um i'm kind of envisioning that there would actually be attacks on your town um and this would be like a tower defense twin stick shooter type mini game sure um oh wow okay you have like an armory um how are you clothing your people and how are you addressing morale like stopping them from there being an actual mutiny in it turning into anarchy sure. um what's the law and order who's doing that how are you doing that um and then addressing the nearby threats to your survival so obviously there's going to be people that bandits whatever um people that mm-hmm. want into your town people that want the things from your town um, or people that are looking to just like take it from you, like boot you guys all out. So <laughs> event things that I, random events that I'm, I would see happening would be like people coming in incoming visitors, like looking to trade trading options, people that want to join your city, people wanting to leave the city in fighting between your people, um, a defending mini game, like I described earlier, and then, um, sending somebody out for looting and scavenging bringing supplies in and the name of my game is called it's spelled toxicity but it's toxicity Mm. okay talk okay yeah toxic city yeah yeah that's hard that's a hard one to do yeah toxicity toxicity maybe yeah 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 well i have it t-o-x-i hyphen city Toxicity. Okay, so toxicity. But toxicity. Yeah. So, okay. Um, okay. Yep. And then your goal, obviously, is to grow your city, prosper, survive as long as possible. Can you can you bring back mm-hmm. civilization in the apocalypse? Okay. Yeah. I I was I was thinking there was going to be an apocalypse game in there somewhere. That is. Yeah, I mean. On brand. It is. Yeah. That's on my bingo card. Yeah. I mean. I'm going to hit a hard bingo card with this third one when we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, okay. Uh, and so, obviously, also in the pixel style. Um, yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else to add to that? Or are we good? No, nope, I think we're good. Okay. All righty. Um, so, here's here's my big bingo card. It's a Diablo-style ARPG. Wow. Definitely saw that coming. (laughs) With the characters and the world established from game two. So you have 
Um, and I will set, I, I did kind of bury the lead on this one, but I did this on purpose for the big reveal. Game one and two, outside of, you know, it being a deity and whatnot in game one, but game two, all of your units are martial units. There are no spellcasters in this fantasy D&D world. Okay. No magic. Nothing. What so it's all like sword, sword and board, knights, you know, lancers, cavalry, all and, of that, right? And alchemy? Like, how are you healing yourself? Alchemy, Potions. potion making, all that's, that's okay. fine. Okay. But there is no straight up, like, wizards, right? Magic is born. It causes conflict. Magic starts to arise in individuals. Wizards are starting to be made. Um, they are learning the arcane arts. They are learning how to control the elements. They are learning the dark magics, necromancy. It is being unlocked widespread around the world, right? This this ARPG style Diablo, obviously you know how this works. There's classes, whatnot. Each faction has their own, not unique classes, but set of classes, right? And depending on your save file from the previous game and or you just pick one in the third game if you didn't play the previous game because you have to account for that as well, um, will determine elves can only be XYZ classes, right? But all of them have a couple ma- magical and martial ones because not everyone likes to play magic stuff. I normally don't when I play these things. But the conflict is that now that magic has been found, people are pushing the borders that have been established. They are now that we have this quote unquote nuke and we know we have it and they don't know we have it. The political uh, drama gets ramped up. So what it is, is this ARPG thing where you're finding magical treasure. Now you're finding magical loot. Like why is this sword suddenly so powerful? Like more than other swords because you know, like, so you're kind of discovering, you're learning how to identify magical gear and, and that kind of stuff. So it's becoming more like a Diablo, which is a very high magic world, right? Like magical gear is freaking everywhere in that game. Um, the campaign is based on what faction you've chose and the alliances that it has uh, in enemies. So I know this is where it gets really complex because it's a decision tree from there. But um, so you you have your faction, which... <sighs> Thankfully, only determines your classes, but the campaign will have a certain amount of arcs that you can go through, like a certain story progress where you are handling the initial blowouts of magic in your land. Then the campaign drives on to handling it in your neighboring lands and or enemy lands uh, as well. So. And then you will eventually end up, you know, when you finish doing pretty much all of the lands, but it'll be different based on if it's an allied campaign or a enemy campaign where allied campaigns are going to be easier, I would say. You're going to have an easier time, but if you have nothing but enemies, it's going to be harder. Things are going to be more difficult for you because you won't have as many, uh, let's say, safe places. You know how there's always like a hub town in those kind of games? Yeah, you will not have hub towns in enemy lands. You will have to raise them and make them yourself. So you're going to have, like, different races have different, I guess, 
desired outcomes for the magic. Like, are you going to have ones that want to shut this shit down and then others that are like, let's embrace it and change the world with it? Um, Yeah, essentially. um, I don't think any one of them are probably going to outright deny it, but I would say that allow forms of it or have better, stronger forms of it. For instance, I would say, Whereas you think like like I would say dwarves they'd be much more into the enchanting aspect, so a lot of their equipment is magic focused. Whereas now, are you going to have something? So like in Dragon Age, the dwarves can't are not touched by magic. Right, right? they're they're yeah, like the only ones that it. there is no magic. Is there going to be anything like that? I will say. Um, some of them, I would say, uh, would have... Okay, so let's say one of the factions that I've always talked about uh, in, that I would like to have is Minotaurs, right? And Minotaurs, you think big, stupid, like they don't want anything to do with this. They're all about the brute force, right? So they don't want magic. They don't want other people to have magic. However, they are still opportunists and will use the magic weapons. So they don't know how to create this stuff, but they will take it. So that kind of thing where I don't, I don't want like, I don't want to completely lock out magic from every faction, but I, there might be ones where it's more limited and it would make it a more difficult campaign for you because you have less options. Um, and I do, don't want to go overboard of like, hey, it's an explosion of magic everywhere. But like, I also want to make some of the campaigns. And part of the explosion of magic is it was introduced from outsiders that came and they didn't know that it went to basically everywhere. How oh, they violated um, the prime directive. Basically, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and that was the idea is it's like an alien invasion, gotcha. but it's they're intending to be like, hey, Look at the gifts we have given you. And then just all right chaos erupts because now they have power. Um, Whereas, yeah, like the Minotaurs may deny that. Like, we don't want that. But they're like, see how everyone else is like, oh, well, maybe we want that axe. That that catches fire, right? Yeah, cool. Let's do that. (laughs) Like, stuff like that. Um, This would be a heavily ambitious project. It would probably fail in real life. I'm not going to lie. Um, just because of the, um, branching possibilities from the previous game. Now, I don't want to make it too, like, dependent on the previous game because all of the previous game would really say is what are your sort of, like, options for difficulty when you start the campaign? Because you're going to do all of them. Right, you're gonna be in all the areas per se, potentially, if you choose to do. But the previous game is gonna dictate what are the easy ones for you and what are the difficult ones for you. Essentially. Yeah, but if you just did the whole like bioware thing where you're by the time you're on game three, there's so much of the decision overlap that to get your desired seed run you would have to put in, you know, 50, 100 hours into the previous game. So instead, you just answer a bunch of questions about what your decisions would have been. And then right. you get that generated outcome. So, it, yeah, it can be like an incredibly ambitious project. But if you've streamlined enough of the decisions that your branched oh, sure. off stories would eventually kind of 
braid back together in the long run. Yeah. I think it'd be doable. And I and I, I do I do yeah, I do like for just just scope sake, right? Like when you regardless of what happened in the previous game and what you're going into in the third game, largely the same story events are still happening in the third game. Right? Like largely um so like if you played like the elves, you're still dealing with you know, this is happening because of the magic coming to the elves. And this is happening because of the magic coming to the orcs and the humans and the halflings and like that kind of stuff. Um, like you were still dealing with those quote unquote campaigns of like, okay, so this is how they're dealing, doing it. Okay. Let's, let's go handle <laughs> this. Right. Cause like, there's always going to be outliers even within their own societies. Like, uh, yeah, like villains, I would say people who want to go too far or yeah, I would just say people who want to take it too far and probably about every land. And that's essentially what you'd be doing is keeping the peace. So yeah, that's sort of the idea. Um, and I also just like Diablo like RPGs. That's just my favorite thing. Also, Titan Quest 2 is coming, and I'm super excited. <laughs> I really want to see what they do, because honestly, they have the most unique class system, in, in my opinion, in RPGs in general, let alone ARPGs. Like, it's not super complicated. You just take, like, it's like taking just, like, the skill tree from something in World of Warcraft and, like, mixing it with a skill tree of a different class and calling those combination a class. That's really all it is, but like, I love it. Like you get to do so many different things. Like imagine if you took like the rogue talent tree and mixed it with the wizard, like, Hey, I'm going to do a bunch of spells, but I get to backstab with them or something like that. Like I'm very, very interested in how they do that and mix things. So. I mean, that's, basically Skyrim. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Skyrim, you get to do a little bit of whatever you want. Um, but you don't have, like, necessarily have a class, right? Like, you just put skills in, and then you're you're just you who you are. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And if you decide yeah. at some point you'd like to change your mind, go for it. Well, unfortunately, that's the one thing you can't do in Titan Quest. Once you've locked in your two decisions, you're done. That is your... Once you've locked in your two classes per se or masteries they call them your two skill trees you're committed your, to your it. class you you can't you can't uncommit the, the moment you say okay and you don't do the unboot undo button on this class selection you can always undo the skills uh you did but yeah you're you're always going to be hunting and nature or whatever you did um and i'm actually quite interested to see if they bring back uh Titan Quest 1 in the end had, I think it was 11 or 12 masteries that you could choose from. So whatever the, you know, whatever the factorial equation is for the combination of two between 11. So, because it's it's never just the straight two to the 11th power. It's just because you got to take out duplicates. I don't know. Chance knows the equation. He says it's roughly half. 
but it's not. It's a little more. I don't know. <laughs> Him and his math wizness. Um. So yeah, I, I'm quite excited. I they didn't put a uh, an announcement year. They didn't even put a release year on that game. So I'm probably going to be watching that for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do you have got screenshots. Time. You got time. I do, uh, and that, it gives me time to to do this uh, Spell Force Three. Uh, I like how the remaster is called the Reforced. I guess they did the remaster. They didn't do the original. That's what I'm understanding. But yeah, Grimlore Games is that company, and I am going to be looking forward to to see what they do. As well, Sabotage. Looking forward to that. Um, and Square Enix has been a more recent one for me within the past couple of years because I made 16. If you remember tales of Arise, the super anime game that I really liked that was square Enix. Um, Triangle strategy was square Enix. All of the Octopath are so they're, they're doing some things that I enjoy. And then, so I, I guess I'm checking them out now. Now, if Capcom just made something like, I don't know, another Monster Hunter or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> Supposedly, they're going to announce one uh, this year, Tokyo Game Show, which I think is September. That is that is the rumor. But, I mean, I'm still heavily invested in Diablo as well. Even though, gosh, it'll be end of October when we get the season ends. Because they're supposed to be like three months long. Yeah, I think so, it is end of October. I've barely touched it, and I probably won't yeah. play much of it once Starfield's going to come out, which will be probably yeah. the only game I will play for a while. And I do intend on playing Starfield, and I want to get into Baldur's Gate. Like, I really I've do. I've been Baldur's thinking Gate about 3. that. Yeah, I've been thinking about Baldur's Gate because I think it's it's going to scratch that Dragon Age itch. Yeah, it looks like it would have yeah. that Origins. Deep of- origins yeah that deep of uh a i don't know what do you call it decision tree i maybe i don't know i've seen some things on tiktok i've been like just trying to skip through it because i don't want i don't like spoilers but it it Mm -hmm. looks like my kind of game i think it is yeah and it it is straight it is straight up D D. it is a based on 5th edition rules Dungeons and Dragons game. So yeah. um my I am very invested in a lot of Dungeons and Dragons things and monsters, so I will know a lot about what's going on in that game along with the races and I know that uh actually no, I don't know. I suspect that the 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 sort of poster girl, the the, the green girl with like the black freckles, I think she's a Githyanki. I could be wrong, uh, which is like a extra planar creature that came to Faroon. Um, same same world as the D and D movie that you. I haven't that seen helps it yet. Too. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I mean, Baldur's Gate is is that where they they met? They at least mentioned Baldur's Gate, or it is where the end of the movie is. It's one of those two. Maybe Neverwinter. I don't know. There's so many famous cities in, in Faroon. It's not even. 
funny. My favorite book series, the Dritz series, is set in Faroon as well. So like I've I have interacted with this world in many other games and other stories and other things. Like I am very familiar with with Faroon and Baldur's Gate that's <laughs> set in it. Just doesn't sound like it because I don't remember what's in the movie, but I don't know. I could watch it. I own it. So um yeah, I think I think that's gonna be my next big game. Uh probably is is Baldur's Gate. Um after probably Final Fantasy sixteen. Because I don't consider like I'm gonna play stuff like Resident I going through the backlog now that I've cooled off on Diablo and a lot of the things in my backlog I would not consider big games. Unless maybe Midnight Suns if I get to it. But Midnight Suns is pretty great. I still haven't beaten that though either like i i barely touched my original original xbox console since i got the new console fair so yeah i mean why yeah i i, I get that you're like why would i play on the old one so to play midnight suns can, i guess can you not play midnight suns on the i new didn't one? i didn't buy the like dual oh. version there were a few games i did buy dual versions of so like i can play Wonderlands, I can play uh, Saints Row, Weird mm-hmm. West, um, but I did not get the dual version of Midnight Sun, so gonna have to. I did not get far in Weird West, and I don't know why. I did play it, but I did not get far. I liked it a lot. I just also did not get very far. Um, I did play probably like a solid like ten hours, and then I just put it down. I think it's because Wonderlands came out, and then that's all that's that's all i played for a while and then also evil west yeah evil west is the one i recently just started and i just didn't finish like i didn't i don't know i don't know what i was playing that i just sort of put evil west down it might have been right before diablo came out that i was like trying to do that i mean i'll get i'll get to it eventually i'm sure but i know what's about to go on for me i have Assessment season starts next week for me. So I have assessments for like every weekend for the next like six weeks. And then sure. Starfield. And I'm fully embracing spooky season like starting in mm-hmm. September. So as soon as I finish <laughs> that uh, that that behemoth fantasy novel I have over there, I got about 400 more pages, I'm going to switch over to spooky books. Okay. All right. I'm not uh I don't know. I'm not I'm not normally into horror stuff in general. So I don't even know if I I would be I don't know. Maybe I'll finish the one that's set in my hometown because it's just spooky to hear how terrible they mm-hmm. they talk about my hometown here. I have pretty much read almost exclusively horror all year long, but except for this fantasy romantic novel series i've been reading that mm-hmm. is shameful <laughs> it's really good though <laughs> oh boy there's uh apparently there's a pretty deep relationship system in boulders gate 3 as well i know i've seen like i know that's, one of the it's calling my name it's calling me i i knew that there was one however i watched an ad i think today that was like here is the relationship ad was like showed so many different like 
characters and different relationships and stuff like some of the title characters too um i was like oh okay yeah i mean i kind of knew this was a thing but like this is much more than i expected like it was like half of that trailer was purely devoted to various races making out so (laughs) i saw this thing on tiktok that was like it was the scene in Thor Ragnarok where right before Thor reveals that he has awoken Ragnarok and she's like, you Mm -hmm. think you can beat me? And he's like, no, but he can. And so like, you think you can beat me is the Zelda game. And then no, but he can. And it's Baldur's gate coming up out of the mountain. (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, it'll be a tough year for Game of the Year. It really will be um, when we get to the Game Awards because Tears of the Kingdom is pulling some serious review weight. Um, like uh, people are really uh, doing well, and then on top of that, Baldur's Gate is crushing it as well. Um, my personal favorite is not making it, and that's going to be Diablo Four so far. Uh, People just woke up on the wrong side of Blizzard this year. Uh, still, but that's fine. Like they don't think I don't think Blizzard really deserves a break. So, yeah, they're gonna be fine. Um, I don't feel bad for them. Mainly, no, I'm not saying I feel bad. I, I'm just saying like I wouldn't um, even have Diablo if it didn't come bundled with my console. So. I was going to get it regardless of anything. It's one of my big three series, which I've talked about possibly making Titan Quest one of my included and make it number four in that big four because of how excited I was. Like I am 100% playing that because it, it's for me, you know, they talk about like a uh, system sellers and whatnot. And Diablo right. is 100% a system seller for me, just as much as monster hunter or doom is. Like I will if I do not have the means to play a game. If if Doom is exclusive to an Xbox and will not come to PC, I will probably get an Xbox. Like I will do it. And Diablo is certain. I have bought a whole gaming PC to play Diablo twice. Uh, this didn't have to this time. I already had a great PC, but um, I bought a a and customized a PC in two thousand eight when I announced Diablo three and then again in 2012 when it came out. So <laughs> I had to, uh, uh, build another one cause it was already out of date by the time it came out. But yes. Oh, God. Uh, so yeah, there's no question for me that, that Diablo is going to be on that list for me. But um, as we talk about game of the year discussions, I think, I think the game caught too much flack too many different ways for it to even have a chance against Baldur's Gate or uh, Tears of the Kingdom or anything else. Um, And it just and I don't think that's I don't know. I don't feel sympathy for that fact. However, I do feel like it's going to overshadow how good the game is in a lot of ways. Right. It's this it's the people are going to latch onto the problems more than what the game did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm sure that there are problems with, with Baldur's Gate, but I'm not hearing them. I'm only hearing the praise. Mostly, mostly because, I mean, I think it sounds like they deserve it, let alone just how awesome of a game it was. I mean, you hear nothing but the news stories be like all the other developers like, guys, do not accept this as a standard for every game going forward. We can't do that. That is not possible. Like, yeah, I, I did see another one, too, that was like, do you want to know why Baldur's Gate is great? And I'm buying multiple copies of it for people I know and making sure that these developers get their due is that they released a full game. A completed game on day one, <laughs> release day, no bugs, mm-hmm. full game, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, that is just not the industry standard any longer. Nope. And um, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to say I'm being sympathetic for Diablo, but I am more well aware of what they're going through because I do follow them so closely, and 100% they were pushed to release us before they were ready. Activision slash Blizzard corporate was like, no, we need this for this quarter. Get your shit out and get it done. Like, and you can see it and the developers and how they've had to do these updates. They're like, I'm sorry. It's going to take time. We're trying like, like that's the whole vibe that they're given the whole time. It's like, I'm sorry. Like literally just immediately. Like, I'm sorry here, here. We're trying like and and that you know it doesn't make it that doesn't make it um good right that doesn't excuse it i'm not going to say diablo 4 should win because they tried hard no but it it does say that like yeah there is a reason why you know they were able to do this is because they don't have someone pushing down their throats forcing decisions they don't want to make because of x y or z shareholder they don't have full control of their property. They don't have full control of their release schedules. They don't have full control of any of that. Whereas Baldur's Gate, Lanarian Games does because they're independent and they've been able to shove out something in an amazing state and way. And you know what? They deserve praise for that. 100%. Um, it's just kind of blown out of proportions. People, will, I don't, I'm very sympathetic towards developers and their issues with getting things done and on time and stuff because I was a software developer and people did that shit to me where they're like, what is your estimate for getting this done? And I'm like, okay, there's literally a game they teach you in, in school of like, take your estimate, double it in your head before you say it out loud because they're going to have it. And I was like, no, when I was a new developer, nah, I trust I trust my manager or whatnot. And you know, I would say what I was actually thinking, like, yeah, let's we'll, we could pro- I could probably get this done in like four weeks. And they're like, cool, you've got two weeks. And I'm like, no, I was no four weeks. That's not and then I would stress myself out trying to get it done. So like it's the way that that corporate tries to work and it's the way it happens. And again, I don't want to um, boohoo on it a lot, but I am excited to play Baldur's Gate for sure. And I am, if they, if they win game of the year, awesome for them. I hope they do. I'm just, I'm holding my breath on Starfield. Like I, I want it to be 
wanted to be everything I wanted to be in my heart and soul, but I'm kind of expecting it to be a Fallout 76 disaster. Well, yeah, and that's that's kind of the way Bethesda's been lately, in, in general. And I do not feel... I, I feel like there will be a time where Bethesda really gets back on that standard, gets back on that horse, because I think Microsoft definitely wants that from them. Um, however, an acquisition in the middle of a development cycle is not going to help a game in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. It's like my gut is telling me that they know it's not that great, and that's why it's going to be on Game Pass. That, like, how how is the same company that has been milking the Skyrim cash cow for 10 plus years Mm going to put this brand new IP on Game Mm -hmm. Pass? Because it's not that fucking good. That's what I think is about to be. But I'm hoping I'm wrong. I am because I really want it to be great. I want it to be everything they're promising that it is. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, like my my opinion of Microsoft as a developer isn't great. So when they keep acquiring all these other developers, I'm like, you keep saying they're hands off. But like. It's not like it's a zero effect. Like Bethesda is going to be affected in some way. Like they now have to answer to other people. They now have to answer. And that changed. And even any changing of structure is going to affect something negatively. Like any change of structure, you know, positive, negative, whatever. So I am concerned about the quality of Bethesda games for the next three years, at least because they have to figure out what the new norm is still. And the same is going to go for Activision Blizzard. The same is going to go for everything else that, that has been acquired because I you can't trust it at this point. It's not like it's, again, it's not Microsoft itself that's the problem. It's just the fact that things changed is, is where I'm, concerned about the problems and to be fair in some situations they needed to uh especially activision and blizzard but you know i'm definitely seeing the effects of all of that hit diablo 4 as much as it sounded like a great idea and they were very open about what was happening that game is certainly affected by timelines and deadlines and people leaving and everything you can see it plain as day on that game and the reviews (laughs) and starfield i don't think is going to be unscathed at at all now i will be playing starfield i will be playing it because why not like it looks like it's going to be great but looks like it but we'll see yeah, maybe it's like that. Uh, I don't, I don't get that No Man's Sky feeling where they just way over promised, and I was like, mm, "You're promising too much." Bye bye, I'm out. I'm not trying. And I, I, I dodged that bullet. I also dodged the uh, what was the cyberpunk bullet as well. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of just hoping 
that Starfield is what I wanted the Outer Worlds to be. Sure. So. Okay. If it's that, I will be happy. I don't need... I don't need them to deliver on every single promise that they've given. But if it's Fallout in space, that's all I need. That's it. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. I mean, we'll see. And not when is it coming out? Is it next month or Uh, no? If you pre-order it, it's coming out uh, next week. No, not next week. The end of about two weeks. Things coming out like the thirty first if you pre ordered wow. it, and then you got to wait that a is, week for Game Pass. That is a much sooner than I thought. Yeah. So I won't be I won't be playing this right away for sure. I will not be because I, mean, I other things I'm playing. I'm Ooh. waiting for Game Pass, and if I love it, I'm gonna buy the game and get the upgraded version. Sure. But I was burned burned by fallout 76 like i think i did a pre-order like 99 dollar version of it and i have i mm-hmm. fucking hate that game so um i mean i don't like fallout in general so that's why i didn't get it and then it, all everything went down and i was like oh boy that did not sound like a one for me to even try yeah so i'm uh i'm waiting i'm waiting to see okay well, I hope it works out. I mean, I hope so, too. <laughs> I hope too. it's good. And if it doesn't, I'll just be reading a lot more through September and October. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not at a lack of games. There's still things. I still never beat The Witcher 3, and I would like to try to do that at some point because it's very good. It was good when I played it, so I. Well, it's not that I have like a lack of games. I just, I don't know. I've been reading a lot. It's been, it's been. I think it's been good for my mental health. So. Sure. I mean, some sometimes you just need to do something else. I get that. Um, I mean, I I got really invested into. I don't think I I, I got to tell you about this because I think I think because I talked about it last week you were. I think you were gone. I played. I'm, I did talk about the the dice throne game I played at Brian's the last time you were on. Yep. Uh, that that came in the the one that I ordered, uh, and I got it. And I did not realize that it came with eight characters, not four. So it was like, oh, oh, this is like almost everything I knew about. And then I realized some of the characters I knew about were also in season two. Like, so I got. They're just things I didn't know existed, like a monk class, a paladin class. Like, I didn't know that those were things. So I got this. uh, I got it in Wednesday, uh, which was three days after I ordered it when I said it would take 10 to 20 days uh, to ship. You know, like, so, like, I was like, okay, that was really soon. And I got it and I played it uh, at the store uh, with Chance and uh, Jared and Trevor. So the four of us played. Uh, I, I still love the game. I like I like Yahtzee in general. Like it's just fun for me to roll dice and then get to keep them and stuff. And it's it's battle Yahtzee. That's what it is. So 
I got to be a pyromancer and burn people with my battle Yahtzee. And it was really fun. And they have a PVE thing that I want to try with the girls, with us as a team, teaming up on stuff. And I'm going to get that my next paycheck. So, because stuff ain't cheap. It was $100 to get the season one. And it's going to be $80 to get the PVE content. So, which requires... Just having heroes, which I like that. It's the whole PBE thing. I was like, hey, you just have to have any one of our other products and this works. I was like, oh, cool. I like it. It's expensive, but I like it. Because like I think uh Yeah, I think it's twenty bucks for a set of two, maybe. Maybe more. Maybe thirty dollars. I think thirty. So I got a deal spending a hundred on eight, but yeah, I'm definitely invested. I like it. And I that's kind of where I've been focusing my energy. I would say, like to say, I'd be focusing my energy on D&D. Um, but last night I was uber checked out because my DM is such a freaking rules lawyer. And I... Ugh. Oh, I was angry yesterday. Oh, I, I and I... And it's just like, it's, it's you know, it's like a, I'm okay with the things going on with the ex-wife and I'm in a generally good mood, but when things don't go right, I tend to get agitated more quickly. And last night was definitely an example of that. I didn't like blow up at him or anything, but it was like, um, it was two things that really annoyed me. The first one was like, I had to show up late cause I was with the girls. Uh, and I, I don't get a lot of time with the girls during the school year. So I was like, I'll show up when the girls are in bed. Like, I'm not going to play while they're up. So I showed up, got in a fight. That was fine. But then there was uh, the situation where I was surrounded on two sides from enemies. And I was like, I'm going to push one of the enemies off the boat. And they're like, oh, yeah. And he's like, how are you going to push them? I was like, with my shield. Like, I just pull up my shield and push like. You have to have a free hand, and that's technically not a free hand. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't fathom the idea of me pushing them with my shield? Like, that's not a thing? Like, you see in every movie? Every? Yeah. Like, and he's like, nope, uh, rules is stated. You have to have a free hand. I'm like, rules is stated. Great. That's where we're going today. He's like, fine. I drop my sword, so I have a free hand. I push... I use my action to pick up my sword and then I will use my action to raise my shield. That is my turn. And I did push him off the boat. Which sort of helped. Not really. And then the other one was uh, there's no surprise rounds, I guess, in this rule set. So I drew a bow. They didn't know I was there. And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's do... And he's like, okay, roll for initiative. And I am thinking... We get to all go before the bad guys go because one of my teammates acted before me. That meant the initiative order was fine. So the fact that I was hidden with a bow meant nothing. So the bad guys just ran up to me. I was like, we didn't get to surprise them. Well, you did surprise them, but then they noticed and they came at you. But then, don't you think I would have already shot my bow and picked up my sword and shield like I said I was going to? Well, that's not how it works. There's no surprise rounds in this system. And I'm like, but then even then, how did they get to surprise you if you were hidden? <laughs> right. I know. I was like, did he see me? He's like, oh, he did a search check. I was like, 
Uh, sure, you're allowed to do things without me knowing. You're the DM. I understand that, but like, okay. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, I am. I told Chance through a direct chat, like a DM. I just went, I'm one thousand percent checked out right now. Like, I am so done with this. Like, this is dumb. Fair. I hate it. I'd be mad. And I, I, I still played, but and then I even talked to him about it afterwards. It's like, I, that was very upsetting and surprising to me. There isn't a surprise round because that made no sense to me at all. Guy, why would I even have a bow? Like, why would I even do that? Because the whole reason for me having a bow is the fact that I can yes. initiate combat, make them come to me, and then suddenly, haha! It's like the, uh, it's like the, uh, the what was the princess bride who he's like. Ha I know you, but I am not left-handed. He's like, ha ha, I have a secret that you know. I am also not left-handed. So like, like uh, that kind of deal. It's like, oh, I'm not an archer. I'm actually a paladin. He was very good at close quarters combat. I just happened to know how to use a bow. So, and I was very excited about that reveal. And then he cut it short. And I was just like, no, this is fine, I guess. <laughs> but i mean i other than that I, the game was okay he's just uh, both him and one of our other friends are super hard rules lawyers like one of the, one of the biggest problems we had chance had with uh playing with one one of the time he like literally shoved the book in chauncey's face was pointing at the rules. see right here it says you can't do that here he's like me dm don't give a shit <laughs> like I'm saying no. <laughs> and then they would, they were just like, oh, it's just. Rules lawyers suck. And if you're a rules lawyer out there listening to this podcast, you suck. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <clears throat> all right. Well, that's all I had today. I think I'm going to go and probably hit 100 on diablo tonight at least we're gonna try and then move on to something else so anything else for you sasha no okay uh next week i have no idea what we're doing and i'm not gonna try to think about it right now because i don't know there's a lot of things going on i'm free though no kids next week so i have all the time in the world to think of something if we need to so it's okay. a really weird looking audio thing on my audio. I don't know why. Did you hear a weird noise, like a buzz or something? Okay. Um, maybe, but it was like very faint. Okay, it just looked really weird. It was like suddenly everything was peeking all everywhere, and I was like, "Oh, that didn't look good." <laughs> okay. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening, and we will. Uh, I will be around if, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. At Hunter Sub Pod, be sure to join the Discord. Uh, if you want to follow Ace, uh, at Ace Badger Gaming, also on X or Twitter, if whatever you want to call it. Um, we're now you will no longer be able to block people. Apparently, <laughs> did you see that? Yes, Elon I, Musk is I removing the, the the block, and people are like, "What? No, you can't." <laughs> um, So yeah, uh, we'll be around and talking about some more games next week. So see ya.